You are listening to Revolution Fire Ministries podcast. For more information or resources, visit us on the web at www.revolutionfireministries.com. Hello, friends. Derek here with Revolution Fire Ministries. Uh, we are setting up our fourth installment of our series called Faith Builders. And today I want to talk about obedience. There are so many areas in the scriptures where we see obedience and disobedience, and there comes along with both judgment. Now, judgment simply is to make a decision. So God's judgments are right and true, uh, and depending on our obedience will determine what type of judgment and or consequences uh, follow in suit. So Many times when you hear the word judgment, we have a very negative connotation. So just on the front end, I want to clarify that judgment simply means to make a decision. So God, when he judges, he is making decisions and he's making those decisions based upon who he is. And that is his perfection, his holiness, uh, but also his perfect love. So there's lots of examples in the word about obedience. However, I want to take a focus at Acts chapter 9 today, and we see Saul's conversion. Uh, For those of you unfamiliar, Saul becomes the Apostle Paul, and in fact, most of the New Testament is written by him. And so, uh, it's a very interesting story in that I don't want to focus as much on Paul as we focus on this fellow named Ananias. So, let's jump into Acts chapter 9. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. So, to set this up, uh, Saul has been persecuting followers of the way, followers of Jesus, and so much so he's been imprisoning and killing them, believing that he's doing God's work. So, Jesus died, rose again, multitudes are coming to faith in Jesus and following, quote-unquote, the way, that's what it was called. And so Paul, a Pharisee, the Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, rises up and begins to try to squash out followers of the way and squash out this new, quote-unquote, religion. So, that's the background. And we see here in Acts 9, verse 1, again out of the New Living Translation. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation in the rest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. And so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there three, blind for three days and did not eat or drink. 
Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. And he laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight, then got up and was baptized. Wow, what a conversion story. Um, I wish my story of coming to faith in Jesus was as wow as that. Granted, I've got a pretty crazy story I'll share sometime, but I want to focus on Ananias's faith and his obedience in this scenario. We get a good picture of who Saul is and what he's been sent to do, and yet God sees Saul's heart uh, in a way that nobody else does, and, and Jesus sees uh, the future that Paul has. And in fact, he calls Paul, sorry, Saul, his name's not quite Paul yet. He sees Saul becoming Paul. And so Ananias sees Saul. Ananias does not see Paul. And so it takes Jesus, an encounter with Jesus in a vision. And even after the vision, Ananias says, but wait, and so it takes an encounter with Jesus, with the heart of Jesus, for Ananias to say, okay, yes, Lord, I will walk out in faith, even though my life is at risk. And so I'm wondering, what is it in your life in that God has called you to do, that he's calling you to be obedient right now? Uh, there's somebody uh, who I have a lot of respect for, Pastor Bill Johnson up at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And I don't know if it's his quote or he quotes somebody else, but something that he says quite often is, delayed obedience is disobedience. I want to say that again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. When God calls us to go now, it means now. And if we hesitate if we delay we're not being obedient to him now granted there's grace there is so much grace but there is an element to the christian faith that requires an uncompromising obedience to jesus his word and what he calls you to do so i think this is an amazing picture of what it looks like uh to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. And because Ananias was obedient, look at what happens. The Lord changes Saul's name to Paul, and Paul becomes an absolute wrecking ball and force to be reckoned with. Um, 
it's through him that, you know, we see the Lord using in even Acts chapter 27. We see in a, a couple uh, chapters leading up to that, that Paul is arrested and confronted and he decides to plead his case uh, to be asked to go before Caesar. And he's in this ship. And he's telling everybody, you know, there's going to be a storm, but they don't believe him. And so what happens? There's a storm. Well, they end up running aground. Um, and something amazing happens. Uh, Paul and the ship wreck on Malta. Now, this is the father's heart. I think this is so amazing. And just think, if Ananias were not obedient to the Lord, this would have never happened. Looking at Acts chapter 28, once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and hysteria. Paul went in and prayed for him and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. And then they continue on uh, to Rome. Now think about it. If Ananias would not have been obedient, Paul would have never been in that boat. They would have never shipwrecked. And Publius's father and the island of Malta would have never had an encounter with the power of the gospel of Jesus. Now, granted, they could have later on down the road. But because of Ananias's obedience to the word of the Lord to go, this is what happens. And we see all these amazing stories in the second half of Acts where Saul becomes Paul and and the whole known world is absolutely flipped upside down because of Paul's ministry. So again, when the Lord speaks and calls us into obedience, uh, especially when it's a timing issue, there's a reason. There's something hinging upon your obedience. Yes, God can move and act on his own, but it is his heart's desire to partner with us. He wants to do it together. He used to walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in perfect relationship. And he longs for that relationship today. He longs for us to be with him, to be interacting with him just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interact together in perfect unity. He desires that partnership and unity with his believers with his body, and with his bride. And so, there is so much power in that. Yes, God can move on his own, but he wants to do it with us. But that requires obedience from us in our hearts. So, and again, I want to challenge you that you would have a vision for something bigger that though it might seem small right now, a small word of obedience right now that the Lord has called you to do, the lasting impact can be and is probably exponential. It's going to affect people and places and things that you don't even know about. 
your momentary yes in the moment of saying, okay, Lord, this is what you said, so I'm going to do it. So I want to encourage you, what is it that the Lord's calling you to do? And I want to encourage you to take that step of radical, uncompromising obedience to his word and his voice in your life. So, Father, I ask that right now, you, through the power of your spirit, would remind every single person that hears this of whatever it is, whatever that obedience issue is that you're calling them to, one, that you would remind them of it, two, that there would be a quickening in their spirit, and three, that you would give them the grace, strength, and courage to walk out that obedience right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. I love you guys. We will talk again soon.